Good evening, everyone. Thank you uh, for joining us tonight, both here and in person, and to those of you who are online. My name is Brother Xavier Wilson, and uh, it is a joy to serve here at Pine View and looking forward to uh, a study that we are kicking off tonight uh, related to or the kingdom of heaven is like so. Uh, last week we were scheduled to start this. So we're uh, uh, we are here. T- I'm here tonight, but my wife and I, Sarah Wilson, we will be uh, doing this teaching together uh, from time to time, and sometimes switching on and off as we look at uh, Jesus's word and his parables uh, related to the kingdom of heaven is like most. Uh, uh, we'll be looking at 10, per- 10 particular uh, parables. Uh, most are we can find in the book of Matthew. Uh, some of these parables are actually in multiple gospels. Uh, so for instance, the one we are going to dive into the night is listed uh, in three of the gospels, uh, but mostly focusing on uh, Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is light. The kingdom of heaven is like. So tonight we will be talking about the parable of the sower. It's fascinating, right? That God, uh, Jesus in this moment, he's talking with the disciples. He's, he's been teaching and he uh, gets into a boat uh, because the crowd has gotten so large. He had to actually step into a boat, take the boat off the shore And he begins to teach about the kingdom of heaven. And he uses this parable to teach uh, kingdom knowledge, kingdom wisdom. He's he's using this parable to uh, both relate to where people are and encourage them about the kingdom of God. And I think it's interesting that it is, uh, he uses this farming sort of reference Right as he he talks about this particular uh, parable farming, and I think about my grandfather. My dad's uh, dad was a was a farmer in Mississippi. That was his livelihood. And I, as a, a young kid, when when they would take us to the summer, he he loved his grandchildren. But you also learned to work. You learned to work in the field with with him behind him by uh, beside some of my uh, uncles and some of my. Uh, and sometimes aunts as well, they would be in the field, and particularly I I remember the cucumber field, for instance, and it was more fun sometimes to help plant seeds than it was to uh, sometimes harvest, because depending on the vegetable, the branches were prickly, and, you know, having young and sort of city fingers uh, being raised in New Orleans, I had what I'd call city fingers. I wasn't used to, you know, dealing with uh, prickly vines, such as like okra, for instance. If you've ever uh, picked okra, I would suggest you wear long sleeves and, and gloves because uh, your fingers can, can get hurt. But I remember, you know, walking behind the plow, and my grandfather, he would use, he used primarily uh, animals to to plow back in uh, back in those days, and you would be walking behind him, and you would you would watch uh, as my uncles would teach you how to to throw uh, or to toss the the seeds and things like that, and and you had to be careful, right? He was keen on you being careful and attentive of where and how you were doing things. And so uh, I, I relate that to, as we look into this parable um, that Jesus uses to teach about the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, when we think about the, uh, uh, this time in Jesus's time, they plowed the field first. They, they, they actually uh, threw down the seed first, and then they came back, and then they, they worked the soil uh, so the way I learned as a child was is is a little bit different, but they threw the seed down, and so there that's where we are going to pick up uh, this story in in Matthew's the thirteenth chapter, starting at verse three uh, and uh, going through verse nine. 
But before I, I read the story, let's pause and pray and invite the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, in tonight, uh, tonight with us. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, God, we come to you, Lord, asking that you pour out your heart, pour out your love, and pour out your word into our hearts, God. I ask and we invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to rule, reign, and abide in this place in Jesus' name. Again, Matthew, the 13th chapter, starting with verse 3, and it says, And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came, and they devoured them. Now, other seeds fell on rocky ground, and where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. In verse 7, other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produce grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let them hear. Parables. It is interesting, right, that God would use, Jesus would use parables to provide this teaching. And he uh, will go into it a little bit further. He'll explain why. But I think about parables, and sometimes, right, I think about being a, a father or a parent and having young kids. I can say something to them, and they give you this look, and you realize they have no idea what you just said. Right? It went as, as, as if it went over their head. But then there are other times, right, when you are saying something to them, encouraging them, or explaining something, you can see their eyes light up. And you know, even if they may not respond, they received what you shared. So there were times, right, it is interesting that here is this parable, and he says, he that has an ear, let him hear. So it means in some ways we know that there will be some who may understand or hear, right? And others who it will simply pass over their head, in other words. We find, so let's pick up in uh, verse 10. Then his disciples approached Jesus and asked, Why do you always speak to people in these hard to explain, to understand parables? And he explained, you have been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom. But they have not. For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive, receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But those who don't listen with an open, listen to this, teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have will be taken away from them. That's why I teach the people using parables. Because they think they're looking for truth, yet because their hearts are unteachable, they never discover it. Although they will listen to me, they never fully perceive the message I speak. So Jesus knows that as he is speaking, there are multiple people or multiple uh, uh, listenings that are happening. Those who were there, even in the crowd, as he has been teaching, there are those who were there who showed up with an unteachable heart. Because they've, been, they've come to be skeptical. 
of him, right? They've come to judge him. And others are there listening to Jesus on the banks of Galilee because they've heard about the miracles that he has performed. They've, they've seen, they've heard about the teachings that have changed other people's lives. So even as he's sharing this, people are having different perspectives or different experiences even in that moment. Some will hear and be able to obtain what he's teaching and others will have no clue what's going on or what he's talking about. Verse 14, the prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. He's talking about those. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. This is coming from the Passion Translation. Uh, they look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their hearts are closed. Now think about that. The eyes of their hearts are closed. The eyes of their hearts. Their minds are dull. They're slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged of, of hard of hearing. And they deliberately shut out the eyes uh, to the truth. They have deliberately. That means, in other words, they have made a choice to not listen to truth. They are, in fact, making judgments or judgment calls as they listen to what he is teaching. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see and open their ears to hear and open their minds to understand. So as he's teaching, there are those whose hearts are pliable like soil. There are those whose hearts are ready to receive revelation knowledge, truth, learn about Jesus Christ. And then there are others who are even there in that moment listening, who have, they are not interested in learning about Jesus. They're just there to judge. Or the life, the, their life has been so hard that their hearts have hardened over time, which is making it difficult for them to receive the word of God. And then we go, go on to say, then they would turn to me. They would turn to me and I would instantly heal them. The hearts that are open, he's saying, as you listen, I will instantly heal them. But blissful are your eyes. For they, for they see. Delighted are your ears, for they are open to hear what? All these things. Many prophets and godly people yearn to see the miracles, the days of miracles that you have been favored to see. He's talking to his disciples. You, you are favored, you are blessed, right? To be able to witness and to walk alongside of Jesus Christ in this moment to see these miracles that Christ is performing. They would have been given everything to hear the revelations that you, he's saying that you, the disciples, you, those who are close to me, are favored to hear. Now you are ready to hear the explanation of the parable of the sower. So he laid a foundation, he shared the parable, and then... There, he's having this intimate moment with his disciples, and they say, Why are you, why do you, why do you explain it in this way? And he shares with them kingdom knowledge, kingdom principles. And then he goes on, This is one of the few times of the parables in which he actually shares an explanation of what he's talking about. And we, and we pick up the explanation in verse 18. He said, hear then the parables of the sower. When anyone hears the word of God of the kingdom, the word of the kingdom, and does not understand that the evil one comes and what snatches it away from what has been sown in their heart. This is what was sown along the path. For what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who, who hears the word and, and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. 
And then when tribulation comes or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately, it says immediately, he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, right? This is the one who they hear the word, but the cares of our world and the deceitfulness of what riches chokes, chokes the word. And it proves unfruitful. And as for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who, who both hears the word, they understand it, and then they bear fruit and yields. In some cases, what? A hundredfold. In other cases, sixty. And in, and in other, another thirty. The soils. This idea of the soils representing our heart, right? The condition of our heart. The condition of us being able to receive the word of God. Being able to, to receive the teachings of God. That there are these four types, right? Four, four different paths. As the word of God is going out, as the, the seed is being sown by the sower. There's these varieties of sort of reception and hearing and partaking in the word of God. So let's look at the first one, the path. It is as if I had a bucket of seed before me and I took it and I just threw it right down right here. Is it likely to produce any fruit? No, right? So we see in verse 4, he says, as, And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds, the birds just came in, and they devoured them. Or if I was to step outside and, and, and spread seeds just on the concrete in the parking lot, there's no soil there. It's not going to produce anything. So his explanation is, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is, is what was sown along the path. This is what was sown along the path. The path. When we think about and we reflect upon the path, we see a hardened heart, right? We see the seeds hit a ground that is not receptive. The conditions are not suitable for anything to grow. And it allows the enemy to take away the seed. It allows the enemy to come in quickly to rob you of the word of God that is trying to be, that wants to be planted into your heart, into your soul, to see a transformation. There is, this also gives us an idea that there is opposition, right, to the kingdom of God. There is, an, that is, there is an adversary who does not want the kingdom of God to grow. The adversary does not want you or I to become mature in our faith. So he is looking, right? It says in verse 10 uh, of John, uh, I believe it's 10 and 10, the thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal. He wants to slaughter. He wants to destroy. He wants to push back and fight against the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, expanding. But Jesus, Jesus Christ has come, what? To give us everything in abundance. Amen? Amen? More than we expect. Jesus Christ has come that we might have life and live it to the fullness until we overflow. That is fullness in knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It is the fullness of overflowing and operating and understanding our position as heirs in the kingdom of God. 
Jesus tells us that we are called children of God and we are a part of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus' word, the word of God, has come that we might live and experience life to its fullness. But in the first path, the first soil, there is really isn't any soil. It's a path. We also see in Luke the 22nd chapter in the 31st verse in the, uh, the Passion Translation, it says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to shift you like wheat. Here is a disciple. Jesus is talking to him. The enemy wants to shift you. He wants to move you. He wants to, he wants to hinder your growth and your understanding of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But Jesus is saying to him, I pleaded for you, Simon, that your faith would not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Moving on to the next soil type that is mentioned here in the parable uh, is this rocky image. That Jesus gives us, right? And he says in verse 5, Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have as much soil, and immediately they sprang up since there was no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since there was no root, they withered away. They withered away. And then he explains it, right, in verse 20, If you look on the right side, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, right? They are hearing the word. They immediately receive it with joy, yet it has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And then, what? When tribulation comes, when persecution comes, arises on account of the word immediately this individual falls away immediately this individual falls away the rocky path with the rocky path we see this shallow heart right this the seed doesn't have any room to grow there are distractions that come into their life Because the distractions, the enemy does not want you to mature. And they, in the midst of adversity, they begin to lose sight of God. I remember a number of years ago when I experienced a hard time in my own life. I have been serving in church. I grew up in church. And all of a sudden, I I listened to the thoughts that were not of God. And I found myself beginning to not go to church. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Because I had allowed other distractions to rob me of what I knew to be right, right? By being in fellowship Right? By studying the word, that was the other thing. Right, It wasn't just about not showing up on, on Sunday. It was about uh, um, reducing the amount of time that, uh, that I was spending studying God's word or, or going to the young adults group. I had begun to withdraw. And you may think about a moment either in your life or a family member where, you know, where you see, you've seen this happen. They begin to withdraw, Right? From God, from the the presence of God, from the word of God, from uh, like-minded Christians because of the distractions. Because something else has become more appealing in that moment in their lives. They know the word of God, but something has come to distract them and draw them away. 
And because of the lack of depth of soil, in other words, not, die, not choosing not to, right, making a choice to no longer stay in the Word of God, making a choice to no longer stay in the midst of, 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 of Christian believers who are, who are advancing and growing in their faith, you get pulled into other circles, you get pulled into other things, you listen to the lies of the enemy of so-and-so's going to judge me when God calls you righteous, when God asks, says when you repent, he forgives, he tosses away your sin as far as the left, the left from the right. He forgives us of our sins. But when you may be in a fighting in your thoughts, in your moment, in this moment, you're not listening to the word of God. And it is easier for the seed to wither. It is easier to fall away in those moments. An explanation of the rocky path. Moving on to the thorny ground. In verse 7 he's, he says, The other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up. They, but not only did they grow up, they choked them. And he explains it in verse 22. He says, this is the one who they hear the word of God, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. It is interesting that he uses the word choked. When we look at that in the Greek, sampnigo, uh, which means to suffocate. It's, 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 it means to, suff, to smother, to asphyxiate, to, to even to throttle. So you have this image, right, of worriness, of anxiety coming on in such a strong way that is all consuming a person's thoughts that it literally, figuratively, is choking the word of God. It is suffocating to the point of bringing their whole life to a standstill. To a standstill. This is the moment when we carry our burdens without surrendering them to God. So this thorny soil, we see the seed is beginning to grow, but not only that, it becomes what? Overgrown by other things. Overgrown. Other things overtake it. We, we, uh, this summer, this last summer, we, we started a, uh, a garden in our backyard for the first time in, in years, and we, we planted some things, a, a variety of tomatoes and, and some herbs and, and a variety of different things. And we could see that the seed was beginning to grow, but we, we didn't tend to it. And some things literally were overtaken either by weeds or other varieties of vegetables. Our squash literally took over portions of our, of our garden, right? And they are thorny. There are, there are some of the squash, the vines are thorny. We, we saw this. Where things, and so we lost some, uh, some vegetables that we had planted because another thing overtook it, literally overtook it and, and overtook that area, uh, some of the herbs and things that we had planted. We also see with this, in this thorny soil, right, there is a knowledge of the Word of God, but our hearts are not applying the Word of God to our situations. Where here is, is a heart that is so weighted and so carried down with the weight on their shoulders. But there is not a moment of surrender and casting our cares upon a loving Savior. When he says, cast your cares upon me or take my yoke for it is easy and light. God calls us to cast our burdens at his feet and take his yoke. So you don't experience this moment or this season in your life where the thorny, the thorns overtake and choke out 
the very life. The cares of the world, meaning these things of life, we should not allow ourselves to worry about the events and incidents and episodes in our life, but that is challenging, right? It is real. Those situations and moments are so real. But in Luke, the 21st chapter, in the 34th verse, he says, do not, do not, but take heed to yourselves. In other words, hey, listen, take a moment, lest your hearts be weighed down by the carousing, by drunkenness and the cares of this, of this life. He is warning us to be aware of what's going on in our own heart. Take heed of yourself. And that day come upon you unexpectedly. Because our, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is also in the return of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We look for him to come. The coming of the Lord is at hand. But we can be so easily distracted by the cares of this life. That we stop looking to Jesus and rather looking at our problems. Does that make sense? The kingdom perspective. Jesus is teaching that the kingdom of heaven is like because he wants the children of God to think about things from a kingdom perspective. He wants our minds to shift from the day-to-day ins and outs of life. To Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. You see, the Jewish people, they were waiting for the Messiah to come. And then here he is walking amongst them, teaching them. Teaching them to look at the kingdom, to look for the kingdom of heaven. And to understand how they are a part of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is interceding for us. He understands every emotion. He ever understands every frustration and every temptation that we could ever face. But he is waiting for us to cast our cares upon him. Amen? And then there is this good soil. Other seeds, he says in verse 8, fell on the good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some thirtyfold, some uh, some sixty, and some thirty. This is the one who hears the word of God and understands it, and he bears fruit and yields. And in one case a hundredfold, and in another case sixty, and in another thirty. So we are seeing God's desire. For us as children of God, for us as joint heirs with Christ Jesus, that there is this, this, this production of fruit in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Bearing fruit in our hearts, changing our very lives, and, and that we are actively engaged, and it, it bears fruit. It bears fruit of a variety of folds. In John 15 and 5, he says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, and those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But, for, but apart from me, you can, what? Do nothing. But if you remain in me and my word remains in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, what does it say? You are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. God is being glorified when we are producing fruit in our lives. When we are growing closer to God. When we are having times of intimacy in God's word. When we are seeking God's heart and prayer for our lives. When our lives are being changed for the glory of God. This brings glory, joy to God's heart. He wants us to produce fruit. 
But how do we produce it? By being in him, right? Apart from him, we can't produce anything good apart from him. In Matthews 13 and 23, he indeed bears fruit and yields. And in one case, a hundredfold, and another 60, and in another 30. I find this interesting because he is intentionally using these numbers as a reference to uh, uh, those who hear him, right? To those who are listening. He talks about 100, he talks about 60, he talks about 30. And as I was studying this, I found it interesting, uh, uh, starting with 30, the word 30 in Hebrew is also a Hebrew alphabet, which means lamed. Right? There is a correlation. And so as he's uh, uh, sharing the number of 30, they would also relate it to the alphabet or to the meaning of the word Lamed. And the Hebrew name for the letter itself, Lamed, comes from the root meaning to learn or to teach. So he's teaching, right? And he's talking about seed growing and producing grain Thirty-fold. So as I hear that, I'm also understanding, right, that there is this heart of understanding or gaining knowledge, which means the seed is producing knowledge and revelation as I receive it and allow it to grow in my heart and my life. That's what they're hearing. It's not just thirty. It is that. There is a growth. There is knowledge. The kingdom of heaven is like. There is knowledge that we acquire by the Holy Spirit as we allow the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts and to reveal to us what the word of God is saying. And it is not just learning. This is a type of learning that what? That spurs us into action. That means I am I'm acquiring this and I am doing something with it. It is causing me to interact with a loving Savior to learn more about him, but then to go deeper, right? Or to share it. So there is the multiplication of the 30 because I begin to share my experience. I begin to share the healing that I've witnessed or the prayer that has made a difference in my life or someone else's life. As knowledge of Jesus Christ is being released and being received. We see that in Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter in the first verse. And now, oh Israel, listen. It says, listen to the statues and the rules that I am teaching you. The first step is listening and receiving the word of God for the glory. And then he talks about 60, 60, right? 60 fold, more production than 30 fold. 60, as we look at the Hebrew uh, uh, letter, it is shamek. Shamek means to lean upon or to support. So as he's talking about this multiplication, right, this, this, uh, uh, this, uh, this fruit producing even more. There is this image of leaning on and being and supporting. In other words, it is indicating that the omnipresence of God is what? Our shelter and our support. So I've gone from just, I've gone from listening and hearing to now leaning on and depending on the word of God in my life, right? I am, I'm begun to applying the word of God, right? Speaking the word of God over situations that are happening, right? Casting down my cares and decreeing healing in our bodies in the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm applying the word of God, right? I'm diving deeper into this and, and leaning on the revelation of Jesus. The word of God says, 
He is faithful. I am leaning on, God, you are faithful. I am leaning on the fact that the word of God says that he is gracious and slow to anger. God, in this moment, I need you to be gracious and slow to anger with me. I am leaning on the fact that he is what? He is patient with us and that he is loving and that he forgives us when we confess our sins to him. I am leaning on the word of God. And in that moment, in that process, the word of God is growing deeper. My relationship is growing deeper. I am actively engaged in the kingdom of God as a child of God. The reference here is, is found in Psalms 145 when it says, The Lord upholds all those who are failing and raises up all who are what? Bowed down. That means in those moments when I feel bowed down, I can lean on the word of God and know that God upholds me. It means that when adversity comes and the winds come, I can speak the word of God to rebuke the storm. It means that I can see how David lived out drawing near to God and God drawing near to him because of what's going on in my life. I am choosing to engage and the seeds are growing and producing grain in this good soil. Is this making sense? And then he also talks about the hundredfold. The hundredfold. The hundredfold. The multiplication. The, uh, the, the uh, Greek alphabet being cough. Uh, cough signifying uh, wild. Something that's wild and perfection. But it is also the first letter to the word kadosh, which means holiness, where, they, where we see the redemptive nature of God. As you think of, as they, so as they, as he taught about the word, the, the word 100, right? The, the quantity of 100, there is this image of, re, of pointing to Jesus Christ and the redemptive nature of God. And God's righteousness overtaking evil. A hundredfold. Time after time after time. God being victorious. Time after time after time in our lives. When we apply the word of God. When we seek God in prayer. When we seek God in community. When we ask the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of my heart and give us a spirit of what? Wisdom and revelation. Paul prays. Open the eyes of their hearts that they may see you, that they may know you, that they may experience you. And we grow deeper, deeper, connecting with a righteous God, with a God who is ready to forgive us of our sins, to, for, to see Jesus Christ and the redemptive work of the cross in our own lives, in our own hearts. The kingdom of heaven. What are our responses to the word of God? That's really what he's saying. What is your response? Where is the condition of your heart when you hear the word of God? How are you desiring for the word of God to have fruit in your life? The seed, the seed, Jesus tells us in this parable, represents the word of God. And I love the scripture in Hebrews at 4 and 12. The Amplified said the word of God is what? Uh, is living and active and full of power. Full of power. Making it operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than what? A two-edged sword. Penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit. The completeness of a person. Of both the joints and the marrows, the deepest 
parts of our nature. But here he gets to it. Exposing what? And judging the very thoughts and intentions of our hearts. The word of God. As we shine the light, the shine the word in our heart, it exposes our hearts, our motivations. This is why Jesus could sit in the crowd and see the variety, the different individuals who were there. Knowing their thoughts, knowing their intentions, knowing their heart, the living word of God. In John, the first chapter, it tells us the in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. I'm getting so excited, I'm moving fast. He was in the beginning with God. All things. Not some things, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light, what? It shines. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend. He was, in verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his very own, and his own did not receive him. Right? There were those who believed, and there were others who chose not to believe. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to what? Become children of God. And to those who believe in his name. As children of God, we are part of the kingdom and we have an active role in advancing the kingdom of God. Of sharing the kingdom of God. And changing our perspective from a worldly perspective to the perspective of being a part of the king's kingdom. Amen? And then in John 6, and, and uh, starting at 6, uh, verse 63, it says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The word that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would you go? You have the words that give Eternal life. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? And they said, Jesus, we believe. And we know you are the Holy One of God. The, the word of God also tells us that heaven and earth will disappear in Mark 13 and 31. The New, uh, New Living Translations. But Jesus says, My words... My words will never disappear. So as we look at the, the parable of the sower, we see that the word of God is alive and active. We see that the word of God is powerful. We see that the word of God, it gives eternal life. But we also see that the word of God can be rejected. In other words, individuals can choose not to receive the word of God. And we also see that the word of God reveals Jesus to us, right? Open our eyes that we may know him. That we may know him. The kingdom of heaven. The choice is ours to examine our hearts and to think about what is the condition of our hearts? Where are we at? If God was to ask us which soil type does our heart represent, can we say we are the good soil, that there is fruit being produced? I also believe that we, an individual can maybe be at different stages in that soil, right? When 
There is a time when, the, when the, your heart, a person's heart may have, or things in their life may have caused them to, to, to run away from God. But through prayer, other people praying, other people sharing the word of God, God's word, the wooing of God's heart can draw them back into the kingdom of God, right? We can, we see in, in, in the Old Testament where God talks about the hardened hearts, but pray that your heart is softened. What to receive, to be pliable. And so I encourage us today, as we think about the kingdom of God is like, that our hearts that we open our hearts to receive all that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you in this moment, in your journey, in your life, right? And to see the manifest power of God working in your life on your behalf as an heir of God, as a child of God. And as the fruit as we draw nearer and closer to the very heart, as we study tonight, it talks about how it brings glory to God. It brings joy to God's heart. Let us close in prayer. Almighty God and Father, we pray open the eyes of our hearts that we may see you God, continue to pour in our hearts your word, your spirit, and life. God, speak to the very fibers of our being, O Lord. We surrender all to you. We lay down, we cast down all our cares, all the the anxieties, all the, the, the things that may weigh us down. We cast it down at the feet of Jesus and we ask, Holy Spirit, set us free for the glory of your name. Let joy arise in our hearts. Let freedom arise in our hearts, God as we grow deeper in love with you. In Jesus' name, amen.